Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, we are going to talk about dehydration in older adults, including how to detect it, how to treat it, and how to prevent it. This is a really common problem, especially in the summertime or whenever the weather is warm. But for some high-risk older adults, this can be something to look out for essentially all year long. Now, I did write an article about six months ago on Better Health While Aging about dehydration, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But I wrote it actually in response to a reader's questions about preventing dehydration in her aging mother. So what I'm going to do for this episode is I'm going to start by reading you this real-world question because I think it's a nice illustration of some of the dehydration-related concerns that many family caregivers have. And then I'm going to explain what you should know about dehydration in older adults. And specifically, I'm going to cover what is dehydration and what causes it, why older adults are at higher risk for dehydration, how dehydration is diagnosed, and why you need to be careful about relying on certain commonly used urine tests or physical symptoms when trying to diagnose dehydration. And just so you know, many doctors are relying on these urine tests and physical symptoms that can actually be inaccurate. So I don't expect you to diagnose dehydration on your own. You should always get medical assistance. And I want you to understand what is our sort of best knowledge about diagnosing dehydration in older adults. So I'm going to cover that in a little bit more depth in this episode. I'm also going to cover what are the consequences of dehydration, how dehydration is treated, and then the thing that most of you really want to know, which is how to prevent dehydration, including how to help older adults stay hydrated, and also what is known about dehydration and possible urinary tract infections, since that's also a very common concern. So those are some of the basics of dehydration that I'm going to cover in the episode. And then in the very last part, I'm going to return to the reader question and offer some additional practical tips that you can try if you ever find yourself concerned about whether your older relative is drinking enough. All right. So let me now read you the question that a reader sent to me and which was the basis for the article and for the podcast episode. Question, how can we get my older mother to drink more water? She is susceptible to urinary tract infections and often seems to be dehydrated no matter what we do. We were also wondering if coffee and tea are okay or should they be avoided to reduce dehydration. So I was really glad to get this question from a reader because dehydration is indeed a really important problem for older adults. And as I mentioned earlier, it can be common even when it's not hot outside, although we tend to think of it especially at times like right now I'm recording this episode at the very end of May. And so in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the beginning of summer and it's starting to get quite warm. So in this case, the reader wants to help her mother drink more water. And 
helping an older person increase and maintain their fluid intake as she's trying to do is actually one of the best ways to reduce the risk of dehydration. Now, people do often want very specific suggestions on how to get an older person to um, drink more water or take more fluids. And I'm going to go over some of those later in the episode. But, you know, often when people ask me a question, I feel like there are other questions that they're not asking me, which are important. And so for this particular situation, one of the things I found myself thinking is, well, she's worried about frequent dehydration, but has this actually been confirmed? Sometimes people are very intently trying to solve a certain problem, and it may not be the right problem or the most important issue to address at that moment. Uh, Because as I'm going to explain to you, dehydration can actually be hard to correctly diagnose. And many of the symptoms that people might think are dehydration can easily be caused by many other problems in older adults. Another thing that I think about when I um, hear a question like this is has this uh, family caregiver been able to measure how much her mother is drinking? And how does this amount compare to the recommended daily fluid intake for older adults? And finally, in this case, is the real goal to prevent or manage frequent urinary tract infections? And is increasing the hydration likely to achieve this? So I'm going to come back to some of those issues uh, towards the end of the episode. But Let's start by reviewing those basics of dehydration and what's known about helping older adults stay hydrated. And then we'll come back to some of the more subtle points. So what is dehydration and what causes it? Fundamentally, dehydration means that the body doesn't have as much fluid within the cells and within the blood vessels as it should. So our bodies contain lots and lots of water, and it's organized both in the cells that make up our body, and it's also in the spaces between our cells, and then it's also part of the plasma or fluid that's in our blood vessels. And normally, the body is in this sort of state of constant flux, where it's constantly gaining fluid through what we eat and drink, and then it's constantly losing a certain amount of fluid through urination, through sweating, somewhat through bowel movements, depending on how those are going, and through other bodily functions. And the idea is to be generally balanced, and the body is actually designed, if it becomes dehydrated, to signal thirst to the brain and otherwise encourage the body to take in more fluid. But if we keep losing more fluid than we take in, and that can happen both in the short term with a certain uh, specific type of illness, or sometimes due to medications, or it can happen kind of chronically because we're just chronically not quite drinking enough to compensate for how much we urinate or sweat. If we keep losing more fluid than we take in, we can become dehydrated. And usually the main way that the body prevents dehydration is one, when the body starts noticing that there's this imbalance in how much fluid there is, it signals thirst to the brain. And the other is that um, your kidneys are also supposed to start concentrating your urine so that you lose less water as the kidneys do their work of filtering the blood and keeping the body's electrolytes and other substances in correct balance. So it does turn out that older adults are at particularly high risk for dehydration. And there are a couple of reasons for this. So basically, as the body ages, the mechanisms that the body has for maintaining that hydration balance tend to work less well. In particular, for older adults, one is that they experience a reduced signal for thirst. 
So even when they're kind of chemically dehydrated inside their cells and inside their body, they may not feel as thirsty as they would have when they were younger. And then the other uh, main thing that happens as people get older that can affect dehydration is that the kidneys tend to become less able to concentrate the urine and hold on to that water. So those are two sort of changes in the physiology of older people that put them at higher risk for developing dehydration. But there are also some other factors that are known to put older adults at risk. One of them is chronic problems with urinary continence. And basically, that often makes older people a little reluctant to drink too much water. Many older people are experiencing some difficulties with their urinary continence. They may have an overactive bladder where they often need to go to the bathroom or they may have leaks. So they, um, what some people do is they actually try to drink less because they're either trying to prevent an accident or trying to reduce the chance that they'll have to go to the bathroom often. So generally, if we're trying to uh, prevent dehydration, one of the approaches, which I'll go into a little bit more later, is to address any urinary continence issues that might be inhibiting an older adult from drinking as much as they otherwise would. Another common problem that can put older people at risk for dehydration is memory problems. They can forget to drink very often, or they can forget to ask others for something to drink. Uh, mobility problems have also been associated with dehydration. It can just be physically more difficult for an older adult who's having difficulty walking or getting up out of a chair alone to go and get something to drink if they either think I should be drinking something or if they feel thirsty. Uh, living in nursing homes does seem to be on its own a risk factor for dehydration. This is probably partly because people who are in nursing homes usually already have a certain level of uh, frailty or chronic illness. But also, usually if people are in nursing homes, they can be fairly dependent on the staff or other people to get them something to drink or to be reminding them to drink. And then lastly, some older people are having some difficulty swallowing, and so this can make it hard for them to drink enough because they're either concerned that they might choke or cough, or their families might be concerned about that. So those are some factors that can increase an older person's risk of dehydration. Dehydration can also, as I mentioned earlier, be brought on by an acute illness or other event. So anything that causes vomiting or diarrhea is causing the body to lose a lot of water uh, in a fairly short period of time, and it can be hard for the person to keep up by drinking enough to compensate. Fever also uh, increases the metabolism, it can increase sweating, and can predispose to dehydration. And then infections, certain types of infections can also predispose people to dehydration. So whenever an older person seems to be having an acute illness, it's especially important to be mindful of the possibility of dehydration, try to prevent it, and keep an eye out for it. And then last but not least, older adults are fairly likely to be taking medications that increase the risk of dehydration, especially diuretic medications. So these are medications that are very commonly used to manage high blood pressure. They're sometimes used for people who are having kidney problems or other problems uh, with swelling in the legs or elsewhere in the body. Now, sometimes people want to know, well, so is it true that lots of people are dehydrated? And I'm thinking of this in part because a, um, I think it was in 2015 in the New York Times, they have a health expert, Dr. Aaron Carroll, who wrote an article kind of debunking one 
the question of whether people need to drink eight glasses of water. And he sort of took issue with the fact that there was this tendency to believe that there was an epidemic of dehydration. And he showed some evidence against that. The thing is, Dr. Carroll is a pediatrician and usually doesn't have a lot of emphasis on older people in his columns. And that's certainly not his clinical experience. So in his column, he certainly, you know, took issue with the question of whether a lot of children are dehydrated. And it's not clear that a lot of younger adults or even middle-aged people are dehydrated. The real question is, what about older adults, especially those who maybe are being cared for by family members? And we don't entirely know how common it is for older adults who are in their 60s or 70s, who are, who are otherwise um, fairly well and healthy. But uh, studies have found that certainly for people in nursing homes or residential facilities, it seems to actually be fairly common. And one study done in the United Kingdom found that 46% of uh, the participants had impending or current dehydration as diagnosed by blood tests. So if people ever tell you, well, that's just a myth that everybody's dehydrated, it's important to ask, well, which everybody are we talking about? If it's the general population, it's certainly uh, possible. But if we're talking about older adults, especially any of the ones who might have the risks that I mentioned earlier, either concerns about incontinence, memory problems, mobility problems, or residing in a facility, it's hard for me to say exactly what their risk is, but it's certainly higher than the average person in the population, and it's worth being mindful of it. Now, we get to the question, though, how do you know if somebody actually does have dehydration? How is dehydration diagnosed? Well, this is actually trickier than uh, many people realize and actually trickier than many doctors realize. And this is partly, again, because um, aging brings on certain changes to one's physiology, which means that certain tests or ways of diagnosing dehydration that might be suitable for people who are younger may not work so well in older people. So in older adults, the most accurate way to diagnose dehydration is through laboratory testing of the blood and possibly the saliva. There was a, a very interesting study done that showed that testing um, certain aspects of the saliva could work well. But as far as I know, that's not a test that's commonly available in most environments. So I'm mentioning it, but for most people, it would be laboratory testing of the blood. And specifically, dehydration causes abnormal laboratory results such as elevated plasma serum osmolality. So that's a big fancy word that many of you will probably not have heard of. But this measurement basically relates to how concentrated certain particles are in the blood plasma. Another test that is usually abnormal in older adults who are dehydrated would be two tests related to kidney function. And that would be an elevation in creatinine and an elevation in blood urea nitrogen. So these are two uh, factors that are processed by the kidney. And when the kidney is working less well, they tend to go up a bit. It's also possible to see some other abnormalities on blood testing, such as abnormal levels of blood sodium. Usually the sodium would be higher because the blood is more concentrated. And then another test that can be seen for dehydration would be low urine sodium concentration, unless the older person is on diuretics. And that's because one of the ways that the body tries to conserve water is to actually first conserve salt, sodium. So the kidneys would normally try to conserve the sodium, and that's because often in the body, water follows sodium. However, diuretics help people lose water by actually helping the kidneys uh, lose more sodium than they otherwise would do. So in other words, 
Dehydration causes changes in the blood tests such that the blood actually appears a little bit more concentrated, seems to have less water for the amount of little particles, solutes that are there. And dehydration also usually causes the kidneys to show signs of increased strain, specifically with an increase in creatinine and in blood urea nitrogen. Now, the thing is, in many cases, when doctors are concerned about dehydration, what they do is a urine test. And that's because dehydration, in theory, um, and actually in younger people, should cause concentration of the urine. As I mentioned, one of the main ways that the body is supposed to try to counter dehydration is to concentrate the urine so that you lose less fluid. And so this concentration of the urine is called specific gravity, and it's usually a little box on a dipstick and then can also be tested more accurately if the urine is actually sent to the lab. The problem is that this is actually uh, has been tested and it's been found that this is not an accurate way to test for dehydration in older adults. And the reason for that is that we tend to lose the ability to do a good job concentrating our urine as we get older. And this was actually confirmed by a British study that was done that was published, excuse me, in 2016, in which they compared the diagnostic accuracy of many commonly used urine tests with a gold standard of blood tests. And they found that the accuracy of urine dehydration tests in older adults was, quote, too low to be useful. So if you're concerned about dehydration, it's really important to know this, that a urine dipstick on its own is not enough. Um, it might show that the urine is normally concentrated and the person might still be dehydrated because older people often lose the ability to concentrate their urine effectively as they get older. Now, what about physical signs of dehydration? People are often very interested. Can't you sort of uh, detect dehydration by checking whether the mouth is dry or whether the skin is, uh, is loose or bounces back? This also was... Um, studied uh, in a research study where they again compared the presence or absence of certain common physical signs associated with dehydration. And they compared that to the gold standard, which was again, laboratory testing of the blood. And what they found was that the presence or absence of these dehydration symptoms in older adults was pretty inaccurate. So you can keep these uh, physical signs in mind. But again, if you're really serious about determining whether an older person has dehydration or about determining whether certain symptoms like feeling unwell, feeling tired, whether that's dehydration or something else, you have to remember that it's not enough to rely on the physical signs or on the urine test. You're, you should really seriously consider appropriate testing of the blood. That said, I'm still going to tell you some physical signs that have been associated with dehydration. So these may include uh, one, dry mouth or dry skin in the armpit. Another would be high heart rate, usually over 100 beats per minute. Another sign would be low systolic blood pressure. If the systolic blood pressure is lower than it usually is, that could be due to dehydration. Other signs include dizziness, weakness, and or delirium. So we've talked about delirium before, specifically in episode 14. And also there are articles on the website. So delirium is that state of new or worse than usual mental function that can come on in an older person caused by just about any kind of physical illness or strain. So some older people, especially those who already have minds that are a little bit vulnerable, 
So they may already have a diagnosis of a dementia such as Alzheimer's. They might become more confused or a little delirious if they're dehydrated. And then a few other physical signs of dehydration include sunken eyes, less frequent urination, and dark-colored urine. But again, the research really suggests that the presence or absence of these physical signs are not reliable ways to detect dehydration. And I can tell you that all those physical signs I just mentioned could be easily caused by another common health problem in older adults, by, uh, by infection or by medication side effects or by other common illnesses. So again, if you're concerned about clinically significant dehydration or about those symptoms, you should consider blood tests. But of course, laboratory testing should almost never be done in isolation. So actually, if you're concerned about possible dehydration, you should alert the doctor to your concerns. You should explain what symptoms you've observed and include information on how much the person has been eating and drinking, if you know it. And then the clinician will conduct a medical interview and physical examination. And that would then probably lead to further testing to determine whether the issue is dehydration versus something else. So now let's say that dehydration is diagnosed or that we have good reason to suspect dehydration. Somebody has been throwing up a lot and not drinking very much or, or so on and so forth. So what are the consequences? Why is dehydration a problem? So the consequences of dehydration really depend on how severe the dehydration is and also perhaps on how long the dehydration has been going on. In the short term, Dehydration can cause those physical symptoms I mentioned earlier, especially dizziness, weakness, confusion. And for older adults, when they're feeling poorly like that, weakness and dizziness can provoke uh, falls or the delirium and confusion and can just predispose people to hurting themselves. Dehydration can also cause the kidneys to work less well. Now, your kidneys work on this whole spectrum. And generally, if they're working a little less well, for a short period of time, that doesn't have major consequences. But if the dehydration is very, very severe, then it's possible to actually tip the kidneys into what's called acute kidney failure, in which case they might need intensive rehydration, or if they really stop doing their work, the person might even need um, something like dialysis for a short period of time. More common in older people is to have you know, frequent mild dehydration or even chronic mild dehydration. So what are the consequences of this? And so this means really dehydration that shows up as mild to moderately abnormal laboratory tests, and maybe the person's a little weak and fatigued, but isn't otherwise causing very, very obvious symptoms. Does this have consequences? This is actually a little bit unclear. It's been studied, and experts are still a little unsure of what to conclude. One 2012 review found that the only health problem that has been consistently associated with low daily water intake is kidney stones. So what about the question also of urinary tract infections? Many people are concerned that some chronic mild dehydration might predispose to uh, urinary tract infections. This too has been studied and it hasn't yet been definitely proven or shown that chronic mild dehydration leads to urinary tract infections. The conclusion of one group of experts who did a review in 2013 was that it's plausible that you might have more infections, but not definitely proven. Now, if you have been concerned about urinary tract infections, and I'm 
going to have to do another podcast episode on this topic at some point. But if that's something you are concerned about, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an article I wrote about the fact that bacteria in the urine does not necessarily mean that a person has a urinary tract infection. This is a common source of confusion among older adults and family members, and even some doctors. But it turns out that lots of older adults just are chronically colonized with bacteria. I explain why in that article. So you also can't just rely on a positive urine culture as a sign that a person has a clinically significant urinary tract infection. Now, moving on, how is dehydration treated when we diagnose it or decide that an older person is suffering from dehydration? The treatment really depends on whether the dehydration appears to be mild, moderate, or severe. So as I mentioned earlier, dehydration really comes on the spectrum, and it can just be mild, just sort of mild abnormalities in the blood tests and mild symptoms, or it can be quite, quite severe. Um, For instance, uh, if the person has had lots of vomiting or diarrhea, or sometimes we actually find older people who've fallen at home and have been down on the floor for a day, and they might be quite dehydrated by the time they're found and brought in for medical evaluation. So treatment does depend on the severity of the dehydration, and then it also depends on what type of electrolyte imbalances are noted when the person is evaluated. So doctors actually categorize dehydration sometimes into three types, depending on whether it's associated with a higher than usual level of blood sodium, a normal level of blood sodium, which means that the body is low on both water and sodium in kind of a proportionate amount. Or occasionally there's a type of dehydration where people have lower than expected sodium and a water level that's higher, but they're still overall dehydrated. Lastly, treatment of dehydration also depends on what we think caused the dehydration, if we know. Still, overall, mild dehydration can usually be treated by having the person take more fluids by mouth. So generally, it's considered good to have the person drink something with some electrolytes, such as a commercial rehydration solution or even a sports drink, uh, preferably one that doesn't have tons and tons of sugar. Uh, Juice might be good or even bouillon or soup if that's what they want to drink. But even if you don't have something with electrolytes, just drinking water can probably help. Now, if the dehydration seems to be more than mild, then the person usually needs some kind of uh, additional fluid being brought into the body. And that's most often done with intravenous hydration in urgent care or the emergency room or the hospital, or sometimes they'll do it in a primary care office. So this means that, you know, they put an IV in the vein and they hook the person up with a bag of fluid and they infuse um, fluid directly into the vein that way. However, there is actually another way that some nursing homes do, and it's considered better, and that's through a subcutaneous infusion. So this means that instead of putting a needle directly in a vein, you put a fine needle into the subcutaneous fat of a person's belly. And then you can provide fluid through a smaller IV in that skin of the belly or the thigh. This is called hypodermoclysis. And studies find that it's actually safer and more comfortable for older adults. So it hurts less. And it's less likely to sort of uh, be involved with complications compared to traditional IV hydration. So if you're facing a situation of dehydration in a nursing home, you could consider asking whether a subcutaneous infusion is possible instead of always relying on an IV infusion. 
And then in cases of very severe dehydration, usually they sort of more intensively hydrate through IV hydration, and very occasionally it may even be necessary to consider dialysis to support the kidneys and give them a chance to recover. Kidneys do sometimes recover from complete failure if it's caught early enough and if dialysis can kind of take care of things while the kidneys recover. But those are pretty severe, extreme cases, which hopefully you'll never have to face. Now that we've covered what is dehydration and how it's diagnosed and how it's treated, let's talk about prevention, because often it's better to prevent a problem than to have to diagnose and treat it. So the mainstay of preventing dehydration is to make sure that older adults drink enough. Now, how much is enough? This can be tricky to say exactly how much is enough. It depends in part on the person and on the weather and temperature conditions and on whether they're being exposed to circumstances that are going to cause them to lose a lot of fluid. So again, those will often be either environmental, temperature, weather related, or possibly uh, related to acute illness, again, vomiting, diarrhea, fever, or possibly related to medications if they're on medications that cause diuresis, on diuretics that cause them to urinate more than they otherwise would. So at this time, when I did a review of the scholarly literature a few months ago, I found that experts generally recommend that older adults consume about a liter and a half of fluid per 24 hours, and this works out to about seven cups. Now, let me say that that's a guideline. Some older people will be drinking less, and you know, if they're drinking their usual amount, they're living in their usual circumstances, let's say and they are not showing signs of dehydration, then you might conclude that whatever they're drinking appears to be enough. And also people get fluids through more than what they drink. They get a lot of fluids in terms of what they're eating. And so some, an older person who's eating a lot of fruit or having a lot of soup or otherwise uh, consuming things that have a lot of moisture may not need to drink as many glasses of water. That said, after I published the article on the website, uh, somebody posted a comment saying he had measured out the seven cups and it seems like a completely absurdly large amount of, of water. So I took another look in the literature and uh, what I did find is that there was one study of older men who were aged 55 to 75, which to me is not very old, but at least they were not particularly young. And in this study, men were randomized to drink an extra liter and a half per day. And what they found is that for the group that was assigned to drink an extra liter and a half per day, they actually ended up drinking about an extra liter per day, and that this didn't improve any outcomes. Specifically, it didn't improve their blood sodium levels, it didn't improve their kidney function, it did not improve uh, their blood pressure, and it didn't improve their quality of life. But what was interesting about this study is that they used this careful, fancy chemical uh, way of measuring the sort of uh, water in and out of uh, the participants at the beginning of the study and afterwards. And what they found is that at baseline, these men who were in their mid-50s to mid-70s had a daily fluid turnover of three liters per day. So that meant that they were taking in three liters and expelling about three liters. So to me, this might be entirely consistent with drinking about a liter and a half and getting the other liter and a half through your food and other intake. But again, that seven cups is really meant to be a guideline, not an absolute number, because the absolute number will depend on the individual person and on their circumstances. Now, a related question that people often have when it comes to preventing dehydration is, 
what are the best fluids to prevent dehydration and should certain fluids be emphasized? So when I looked into the scholarly literature, I found that it, it was actually quite hard to find a guideline specifying which fluids are best to drink. And this is probably because we don't really have good clinical research that compares different fluids to each other. Geriatricians also often believe that what's most important is actually to give people a fluid that's appealing that they want to drink. And so often in studies that are done, especially in nursing homes, the emphasis will be more on encouraging older person to drink and giving them some choice rather than testing two types of fluids against each other to figure out if one is better than another. So are certain fluids dehydrating? Probably the main one to be concerned about in this respect is alcohol, which does seem to exert a diuretic effect in most people. But what about caffeine? So the effect of caffeine in causing people to lose excess water is actually pretty debatable. Technically, in certain uh, laboratory studies, caffeine is a weak diuretic. But when they do real-world studies of people, they find that especially when you study people who are used to drinking coffee, it doesn't seem that they experience a lot of diuretic effect from the amount of caffeine that they're taking in. So people do urinate more after drinking coffee, and that seems mostly related to having taken in a load of um, fluid. Now, we do have reasons to believe that caffeine can be an irritant to the bladder. So for older people who already feel that they have an overactive um, bladder which means that the bladder tends to squeeze and want to empty itself even when it's not very full. It might certainly be reasonable for such people to consider minimizing or avoiding caffeine. But that's really less about caffeine being dehydrating and more about it being something that might worsen symptoms of overactive bladder or of incontinence. Generally, my take is that probably if you want to be on the safe side, decaffeinated drinks uh, might be a little better, but lots of older people really enjoy their cup of coffee or their cup of tea with caffeine. And if that's the case, I think it's worth considering accommodating that person unless you really find that switching to decaffeinated seems to make a difference in terms of managing their hydration status or any other symptoms or problems that you're concerned about. So otherwise... Are there any proven ways to help older adults stay hydrated? This has mostly been studied in the nursing home because one, there's a pretty uh, high risk of being dehydrated for older adults in nursing homes and also because nursing homes are environments where it's a little bit easier to control and supervise what people are eating and drinking. So there have, a number of interventions have been tested in nursing homes, and a 2015 review of these interventions concluded that the efficacy of many of these strategies remains actually not definitively proven. So studies are being done, and usually it's not entirely clear whether it worked well or what was the best thing to try. And that may also be because often they combine several different uh, approaches in an intervention. So still, there are some approaches that seem reasonable and plausible to try, and they would be these. You know, one is to offer fluids often throughout the day and to consider doing so on a schedule. So a schedule and a routine just makes it easier to stick with a plan. Another thing that seems to help in many cases is to offer smaller quantities of fluid more often. So instead of giving an older person a big glass of water and telling them to drink it all down, it's to often give them a smaller amount and encourage them to drink more often. A third strategy that's recommended is to provide a beverage that is appealing to the older person. So again, you might sit there and fret, well, is the caffeine, the coffee or tea dehydrating, but 
often it seems best to just focus on something that they like drinking because it'll be easier for them to drink a fair amount of it and also because that's a pleasure for them that you're providing. You can also see if the older person prefers to drink through a straw. That's sometimes easier and more comfortable for some people, especially if they're having any difficulties uh, with their hands or with tremor or mobility. Next, and I mentioned this earlier, but it is really important, you want to be sure to identify any continence concerns that may be making an older person reluctant to drink. And keeping a log of how often the person goes to the bathroom can help. That's actually, you know, one of the foundations of evaluating and assisting with urinary continence issues is to start by making a log to see how often do they urinate or leak and under what circumstances. For some older adults, a timed toileting approach can be helpful. So this is especially um, useful for older adults who are either having memory difficulties or who have mobility difficulties. And timed toileting basically means that you make it a point to help the older person get to the bathroom on a regular schedule, often starting off every two or three hours. And then lastly, a sensible approach is to offer extra fluids when it's hot or when the person is ill, because we know that those are circumstances under which people tend to lose more fluid than they otherwise would. So now that I've covered the basics of dehydration in older adults, I want to sort of circle back to some of the issues that were brought up in the question that was sent to me at the beginning. So again, the question was, how can we get my older mother to drink more water? She's susceptible to urinary tract infections, and she often seems to be dehydrated no matter what we do. So again, encouraging an older adult to increase their fluid intake or to regularly maintain a good substantial intake of fluids every day is the mainstay of preventing dehydration. But Before expending a lot of energy trying to get an older relative to drink more, if you've been concerned about dehydration, here are a couple things that I recommend you do. First and foremost, start off with a little bit of journaling and measurements and try to measure how much your older relative is actually drinking most days. And this is important because one, you know, uh, you won't be exactly right it's hard to exactly measure how much a person takes in, but you want to you wanna go from having a general sense of how much they drink to trying to get a little bit more specific. This can, first of all, help confirm your hunch or the doctor's hunch that the person isn't taking in enough fluid. And really importantly, if you then try things to get them to increase the fluid intake, you'll have something to refer back to to see if you're making progress or not. Because later on, as I'm going to say, you're going to have to do some, some trial and error to see what works. And so it's important to be able to sort of study your efforts and see, are we making progress? Is this working or does this not seem to be helping? So that's my first suggestion is measure how much the older person is drinking. And again, as I mentioned earlier, the general guideline is that older people should take about a liter and a half of fluid every day, which works out to about seven cups in U.S. measurements. So next suggestion, suggestion number two, if you've been concerned that your older relative is often Uh, dehydrated no matter what you do. I just want to make sure, you know, have you confirmed that it actually is dehydration? So because again, as I explained earlier, physical symptoms and urine tests are not enough to either diagnose dehydration or rule it out. So I do find that sometimes families are working to solve some kind of problem. And then actually, when we look into it, there hasn't really been 
a, a careful investigation and confirmation that the problem is what they think it is. So in this case, this person is concerned that her mother is dehydrated all the time, no matter what they do. And so I would say, well, are you sure that she actually is dehydrated? So what are some approaches that this family could use to confirm the clinical dehydration? The gold standard would be, you know, these blood tests of the serum osmolality, so the concentration of particles in the blood, and also of the kidney function test, the creatinine and the blood urea nitrogen. But before going into that, there's a kind of simpler approach that often works, especially for older people who are frailer, and that is, does the person seem better on the days when you get them to drink more? So do they seem to sort of perk up or think a little better or be a little bit more energetic? when you get them to drink more. So I've especially seen this happen with older people who live alone and sometimes seem uh, their neighbors or family might notice that they seem a little spacey or a little less well, and they go over there and get them to drink a few glasses of water or juice, and then the person just seems a lot better, you know, right in front of us. So that's a sort of quick and dirty way to check and see whether some chronic mild dehydration might be an issue or not. And honestly, you don't want to be requesting blood tests every time you suspect mild dehydration, but especially if you've been very anxious about how much your older relative is drinking and whether they have dehydration, you do want to make sure that it's been carefully checked at least once. I mean, you might be thinking, well, they seem tired all the time. And maybe, in fact, the problem is that they have anemia. And again, anemia means a low red blood cell count. Also a very common problem in older adults, which we covered in episode 23. So you do want to make sure that you have correctly identified the underlying cause or causes, because again, many problems in older adults are multifactorial, multiple factors causing the problematic symptom or situation. So you want to make sure that you've, that you've correctly identified any underlying problems, because it may or may not only be dehydration. And then lastly, I was struck with this question by the concern about urinary tract infections. So if frequent urinary tract infections are your concern, don't assume that hydrating or treating presumed dehydration is the approach. There may be another better way to tackle that problem. And so similar to dehydration, again, you want to start by making sure that, that the problem truly is clinically significant urinary tract infections. I'm going to, again, encourage you to check out the linked article that I'm going to put in the show notes about this. But Urinary tract infections, also called UTIs, are quite common. They're like dehydration. In older adults, they're quite common. They're potentially very serious, but they're also easily misdiagnosed. And that's because a fair amount of older people end up chronically having bacteria in the urine. When you're young, that's extremely rare. So when you're young, if they do a urine culture and it grows bacteria, that's almost always a urinary tract infection. But because the immune system changes in older adults, it becomes common for them to have bacteria in their urine all the time, and it's actually not necessarily a problem. So if an older person has bacteria in the urine but doesn't otherwise have symptoms, this is called asymptomatic bacteria. And believe it or not, studies have found that treating that with antibiotics does not improve outcomes. It actually mostly just leads to side effects from antibiotics and also the growth and spread of bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. So always take a step back and ask yourself, what is the problem that I'm most concerned about and am I tackling the right problem? So for this situation, I would say to the reader that you're right to be concerned about dehydration in your older mother because it is a common problem and 
if your main concern is frequent urinary tract infections, there might be another better way to address that concern. And you might want to start by confirming that she is constantly getting urinary tract infections because it might just be that she has asymptomatic bacteria. With that, just to wrap up on dehydration, basically a common concern in older adults, the mainstay of prevention of dehydration is to encourage enough fluid intake. I would recommend that you do this by frequently offering the older person a drink, preferably on a schedule. Consider smaller amounts of fluid more often rather than a few big servings of fluid and offer beverages the person seems to prefer. Ask about and address any urinary continence issues that might be making the older person reluctant to drink. And if you're concerned about dehydration, one, try to journal and assess how much the older person is drinking right now. And two, bear in mind that to diagnose, correctly diagnose dehydration, you cannot rely on urine tests or on physical signs. And then three, bear in mind that the guideline, a rough guideline for how much an older person should drink every day is about one liter and a half, but some people may be fine with a little less, and then some people may need more, especially during hot weather. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in the episode, you can post it on the show notes page for this episode. I'll also be posting some of the links to some of the resources that we mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes. And I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.